Thank you. I uh, feel like I'm now wired for sound. I am so glad to be with you uh, as an interim pastor. A lot of you I have not met, and I have reacquainted with some people that I met earlier, some years in the past. But as Lance shared with you, I... uh, At the beginning, when this church was beginning to be planted, I had the privilege of meeting with some people in several different places in Trigg County. We met one time in a funeral home. Uh, The church did. Uh, I'm not saying that's the best place to start a church, but anyway, uh, that's where we met. And so I've sort of watched this as God has has had his hand on it all down through the years. I just want to say, Carrie, I don't even know where you are now, but you're somewhere back in there, I'm sure. Up here. I just appreciate all that everybody's done. The music just blessed my heart. I want to tell you something. I worshiped. That's what I like to do. Now, let me just briefly tell you something about what God and your people have called me here to be. As an interim pastor, I am not a candidate to be your pastor. But my job as an interim pastor here is twofold. One of them is I am going to help your search team, whoever they are when they're put together, pastor search team. I am going to help them find a pastor as fast as possible. That's what I do from one church to the next. And I'll be working with them to help them to do that. But at The interim between when Brother Jeff retired and when your new pastor comes, I'm going to be your pastor. I'm going to be just the same as if I'm going to be here 100 years. I want to meet with you. I want to know you. I want to be able to pray for you. I want to be your pastor. And so that's the job that I will fulfill during this time. And I do appreciate all that has been done to make this possible And this morning, you have an outline there on the back of your uh, bulletin, I believe it is. And again, uh, I appreciate Carrie putting together this bulletin, Drew in helping me to get the slides that you're going to see in a little while, wiring me for sound, and then also all of you just being here. I appreciate that very, very much. I'm going to talk about the church this morning, and when I talk about the church, Uh, I want you to remember, uh, I want to tell you not to remember because you hadn't been told before. Three days ago, I couldn't talk. Uh, I had a cold. And I don't know why I had a cold, but I did. I've taken everything that they make and put on the shelves in markets. And I don't know if I'm any better or worse, but I'm able to talk. And so I am thankful for that. But we're going to talk about the church this morning. When you look at the church as we know it, the New Testament church, it was founded in the New Testament and we see its beginnings in Acts, the second chapter. And we're going to be looking at that this morning. But there are so many things in there that I want you to see that you're going through right now. And I'm going to point some of those out as we go through this and study God's Word. But I hope you will have a copy of God's Word with you each time that we uh, study and God's Word together, and I want to share some things with you that I believe will uh, stick. I hope you'll fill out that outline. You know, we learn by seeing, 
hearing, and writing. And so that's the reason you have an outline to write on. And I pray and trust that you will write on that. There is a, a law in biblical interpretation. Listen carefully what I'm going to tell you. And it's a law that states, anytime you find or any word that you find for the first time anywhere in the Bible concerning a truth that everything connected with that truth will be found where it's first found in the Bible. Now, you can understand that. In, in the place of first mentioned, when you find a truth from God's Word first mentioned in the Bible, that place will have all the truth, truth foundation that you need concerning that particular truth. So, it gives you the significant nature of that truth. And so when we get to Acts, the second chapter, it's the first mention of the church, the New Testament church as you and I know it. And because it is the first mention, we have all the factual truth that we need to know about the church in that place where it's first mentioned. So, I want you to see some things And to know some significant things about the church that we have. We're going to be in Acts 2. I hope you have your copy of God's Word. Now, I won't do everything like Jeff did it. Jeff didn't do everything like I did it. God just sort of wired us a little different, didn't he? So you just sort of say, well, he'll be all right. We'll just sort of put up with some of this mess until he gets straightened out. And maybe I'll get straightened out. But I want you to know some things that happened. I hope you have your, your Bible open to the second chapter of Acts. And I will have you every Sunday morning to stand in honor of God's Word as I read from it. So I'm going to ask you to do that right now. You're not standing for me. You're standing in honor of God for His Word. So I want you, and you can follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read aloud Acts 2. And I'm going to be reading Acts 2 through 4. And I'll be in Acts a lot, obviously. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. And rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues or diverse languages. Now I want you to imagine this. They were in a place about the size of where you are. Those upper rooms over in Israel all are about the same place. And they were... Of the same size. And they were up there. And they had been told back in the first chapter to remain in Jerusalem till Jesus Christ would send his spirit. And they were obedient and waiting. And the thing that happens gets attention. The first thing was the sound of a mighty wind. Now it didn't have the wreckage of a wind. It didn't destroy anything. But it was all the noise And then there came, the Bible tells us, after all of that 
noise that they went through while they were sitting there, that there was flames as of fire that rested on them. That was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it was in the middle of their head where they looked like a candle. I don't know if it sat on one of their shoulders. I have no idea. God doesn't tell us. And then the Bible tells us that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Every one of them. And then they begin to speak in other languages as God gave them the words to say. Utterances. I can tell you, this caught everybody's attention. It ought to catch ours. And this morning we're going to talk about it. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would cleanse our hearts this morning. You would purify our hearts. We're told that the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. And Father, as believers across this nation especially, are recognizing the church's great need for awakening and for revival, I pray that the spirit of humility will become common in this, power, in this place with power. And Father, I pray, especially for myself, that you would begin with me, that you would keep me, or help me, I guess I should say, know the sin that is in my life, that I might repent it of it, and that I might be have a heart that's cleansed and be a vessel for your use. Now, Father... I pray that your word would speak to each this morning. And we give you praise in advance. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated and thank you for standing. As you can imagine, this was an attention getter. From everywhere around, people heard about this. But I want us this morning to examine the blueprint for this event and find out how it affects crossroads, how it affects you and how it affects me as well. There are five things, and I want you to write these down on your outline, that will happen in a church that is fully alive. It'll happen in a church that's fully alive because that's what happened in this church These five things will be there, and you'll notice them. The first thing that I want you to see is that a church that is alive is centered around proclamation. Centered around proclamation. Listen again to to the passage in Acts 2.14. God's Word says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed, your translation may say declared or proclaimed to them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Now when you get to Acts chapter 2, verse 14, 
through verse 40, you find this message that Peter preached. Now, it's amazing to me, Peter wasn't given any warning that we know of that he was supposed to preach this. But when God's Holy Spirit leads him, he gets up and he preaches. And what a proclaimer, what a message he preaches. He takes his message from the book of Joel, the second chapter of Joel. And he preaches it. And you'll see that in Acts 2, 16 through 23. He preaches that. Then he takes some psalms and wraps it with some psalms. Psalms 16, verses 8 through 11. And then he wraps all of that together with some powerful illustrations. What a message it was. And when you read what happened at the end of the deliverance of that message, you you have to acknowledge, my goodness, God blew in this place with power when this happened. And that's exactly what it was. Now, let me tell you something about this. When he does this... He does a lot of things. He draws and uh, to the people to a place where they have to repent. It's a, and it's a message of repentance. It wasn't just a feel-good message, but it was the truth, and it came from the heart of someone who loved the Lord, who knew what God was doing and had become alive in His very life. And when a church is fully alive... The proclamation will be around the word. Now, I want to tell you something. In this area of Kentucky, when I was a pastor at New Work Fellowship, that was the first church that was of Southern Baptist origin that had become a church that began to use the videos like you see and screens And I want to tell you, I was called everything except smart. And all of a sudden, I didn't realize, I didn't do that to offend my brethren in churches, but I thought, my goodness, we're visual people. I love outlines like you have. I love the screen so you can see it. I love the music that we have. I love all those things. But let me tell you something, friend. The Word always has to be preeminent before anything else. If you leave the Word, you have nowhere else to go, friend. You're moving out in the the deep. And the Word has to have that place of attention and that place of setting that the early church put it. If you read that message, you can't help but know the, the... what God had done and was doing in that place. 1 Corinthians 1, 21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. God's wisdom was so great, man in his great wisdom couldn't even begin to fathom it. Couldn't get a hold of it, is what that says. But it goes on to say, And it pleased God through the folly. Through the folly, you can use foolishness there. Some translations do. Through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. You can't understand that word folly unless you're a pastor. I want to tell you, I sit down and am amazed at times when God uses what little facilities I have and he begins to put together a message that God will use to bring men and women to Christ and turn them from the world into a place where there's peace and purpose in their life. I couldn't do that. Friend, I'm an old country boy raised over here in Hopkins County. 
I hadn't got enough sense to know anything hardly. But I realized that it's God's word through me that makes the difference. And it made the difference in that. And so I want you to know that a church that is a church that is functioning like it should is a church where the scripture, the word, is centered around the proclamation of the word. Let me give you a second thing I want you to see about a church that's fully alive. There is much participation. Now listen carefully. One thing I have found out, I'm old enough that I don't get intimidated. That's probably not good, but anyway, that's the truth. But let me tell you something. I've pastored about three churches in my lifetime as full-time pastors. And then since I retired, I've been in a lot of churches, as you can see. And what I found out is that most churches do not adhere to this much participation was never meant to be, the church was never meant to be, these people up here doing all this stuff, and all of us people out here, we're just watching them doing it. We're just sitting down there, and they're entertaining us with all the things they do. I want to tell you something. That's not what God intended the church to be, friend. Now, listen to me very carefully. I want to tell you that here's the way it is if you want a visual picture. God sits right there where you're sitting and all of us are up here on this platform performing for Him. That's what it really is supposed to look like. But we've just reversed that. You've reversed it in your church. It's reversed in every church almost I've ever been in. There has to be people doing the work that is to be done. Acts 2 verse 1 When the day of Pentecost arrived, God's word tells us that. Those people were waiting. They'd been waiting to be filled. And they were all together in one place. That's when the church was together. The church uh, located in one spot all together. Now, I want you to notice also, and there were, the Bible, that's passage, and they were all together in one place, They were in this whole thing together. Now I want you to notice the church gathered, but I want you to notice now the church scattered. That's when we're going to leave here in a little while. Acts 2 verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now they were practicing fellowship in all of this. And they were all involved. They'd all been waiting in that upper room for God to fill them. And God has, and now they begin to go out, the church scattered, and they begin to do these things that the church is supposed to do, scattered as well as gathered. They were doing that. You get a sense of what's happening in Acts 2, verse 44 and 46. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, this isn't some sterile organization. This is a live organism. I'm telling you, these people were living in a dynamic relationship with each other and with God. 
That's what was going on. This synergism happened in the church and it happens in the churches today when a church is fully alive, which is what God intends for all of us, that it be that way. They devoted themselves, verse 42 says, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. You've heard that word fellowship. Let me tell you something about the word fellowship. It's the most misunderstood word in the Christian glossary. Here's how we interpret fellowship. This evening, you come over to the house. We're going to have some snacks. We're going to watch some football tonight. You come on over here and we'll have some fellowship. Nothing wrong with that. But that's really not fellowship from a biblical perspective. In our churches, last Sunday, you had meals. I love church meals. I think they're great. And we say we had a fellowship meal, but that's really not what fellowship is all about. I want you to understand what it really means. Now, you may have heard the Greek word for fellowship. It's a big word, koinonia. And let me tell you what it means. We've missed the whole meaning. Koinonia means having in common with one another what we have in common with God. Having in common with one another what we have in common with God. Now let's go back. What do you have in common with God? What do I have in common with God? Well, I've learned to love Him down through these years. I've learned to trust Him. I want to be in His presence. I want to love the world as He loves the world. I want the world to come to know Him as I came to know Him. When that's in my heart... And I have a brother or a sister who has that same fellowship with God. Then we have real fellowship, real koinonia. That's what that's all about. There's nothing wrong with those other things. I like those other things. But we're not having fellowship as we should. We have all this other stuff, but we don't have the fellowship that we should have. We need to come to grips that the center of who we are in Christ is who we ought to be in this place with each other. And then when we leave this place with others around us, some time ago, a fellow by the name of Bill Hybels gave a name to that, and he called him Little Platoons. And I thought, that's a great name. Because, friend, what that tells us is we're small in number and we're doing battle. I want to tell you, when you leave this place, there's a battle outside there. And we do not realize that sometimes. And so many times we find ourselves thinking, goodness, you know, this is all there is to it. Where's the joy of it and everything else that I thought there would be? I don't see that anywhere else. The, the, this fellowship that the early church had was continual. It didn't end just when we broke up. It was out there during the week. They did a lot of things during the week. They met daily, Acts 2 tells us. They cared daily. They won souls daily. They uh, searched the scriptures daily. They increased in numbers and that all this was happening outside the church building when they would come together 
in the church building. So first there was proclamation in a church that's alive. There'll be participation. Before I leave that, I just want to make a statement. Friend, when I come as your interim pastor, we're not going to hang around and wait for the new pastor to come. We're going to start running right now. There's a lot to do. And the new pastor that comes, he ought to have to run to catch us. That's exactly what ought to happen. Whatever length of time that God's going to use me here until he brings your pastor, there's a lot of things we, we need to do. All of a sudden, this last week, we woke up that Brother Jeff been doing a bunch of things. We didn't know he was doing all those things. He had been. He was worn out and tired. Friend, I want to tell you something. I learned a long time ago, all of us can do a whole lot more than any one of us. And there's a lot to be done. I can remember when you were twice the size you are this morning. I can tell you it's not that there's no more other people who need church in Cadiz or in Trigg County because there's a bunch of them out there. But we're not being the church. We're not doing what the church has, God has called the church to do. So there's got to be participation. Let me give you the third thing. In a church that's a fire, a church that God's really using, there will be celebration. I want to tell you, it's all right to be joyous. I came here this morning and I listened to that last song that we sang. I just thought, praise the Lord. That's exactly what I need. And I just worshiped and I praised God for that opportunity to meet with brothers and sisters in Christ and to be here with you and to worship with you and to have joy. I just get excited about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, I'm in love with him. I don't care what you think about that. I am in love with him and I want to spend time with him and I want to be in that presence with him, that joyous presence with him. This church that we're talking about in Acts, Acts 2.46 says, And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. They were praising God. We don't all praise God the same way. We don't all have to praise God the same way. But I want to tell you something. When we come together, there ought to be smiles on each other's faces. I want to tell you something. I am so tired of looking at people coming to church like they've taken a shower in a lemon or something. I'm telling you, there's no joy in their life at all. I want to tell you, I have excitement when I'm with God's people. I have excitement when I have the opportunity to come and worship with God's people. It ought to be so. Friend, you ought to give around some Christians in some other countries who don't have this privilege. Just talk to some not too long ago. You ought to know what it's like when you have to hide and you have to whisper and you have to make sure that nobody knows what's happening and you sneak out one at a time out of wherever you're having that worship service. And here we are and we're thinking, oh goodness, when's it going to get over? Oh, Goodness, they were glad. They were praising God. A pastor wrote this. The Lord still seeks our worship. He still waits the praise of his people, the wondrous worship of his children. He still longs to inhabit our houses of worship. But at last, worship is a fast becoming a lost art.
the missing jewel of this hurried and efficient generation. There are many programs and activities, but so little worship. There are praise and music, but so little worship. There are announcements and prayers, but so little worship. There are meetings that are regular and dull and predictable. There are events that are held on time, led by well-meaning people, supported by folks who are faithful and dedicated, but that tiptoe expectancy and awe-inspiring delight mixed with a mysterious sense of the Almighty God, all of this is missing. Did you come this morning expecting God to do something that you've never known him to do before? Most of us come just expecting to get it done and get it over with. And we can check off another week. There ought to be joy, delight. If you read that chapter 2 carefully, they had gladness in all of this. They had joy. There was cooperation with one another. It wasn't just once in a while. It was all the time that they were doing this. I've been in those times in my worship as a pastor. A lot of times it's when the music and when God's working through that. And I've been in those and I have had those times when I I just sort of drifted out of the environment that I was in. I'm not a psychic. I'm just telling you I got caught up in Jesus. And I didn't realize what all was going on around me. I don't think we have touched the hem of the garment of what worship is all about yet. I don't think we have it all. But this church had. This church had done that. Let me give you a fourth thing, a fourth thing of a church that's fully alive. There will be edification. Edification. Look at verse 47 of chapter 2. Praising God and having favor with all people. Some translations will say enjoying the favor in goodwill and goodwill with the believers. Goodness. We're in a edification. That's what this building is. is this is an edifice. We're in an edifice right now. Edification means to build up. You know what? It's sad that in a lot of churches, people are not building each other up. They're tearing them down. And there ought to be edification going on. There ought to be encouragement going on in other, in, in when we come together with each other. Let me tell you some things. We need to build up instead of tear down. I'm in a lot of churches where there's a lot of tearing down going on. You just find a big old crack right down the middle of the church when you get there breaks your heart God has called us together to build each other up when we come together like this and encourage each other God blesses that and honors that now let me tell you when you lose a pastor it automatically means change is coming And it's an easy time to get discouraged and to get your feelings hurt. Satan just knows. And if you don't watch it, you're going to find yourself snapping at somebody else. You're going to find yourself angry. It's a time when we need to be encouraging and lifting each other up in this. We need to do that. 
goodness. There needs to be peace. And now it needs to be the presence of God's Spirit in this place all the time. How do you do that? There's three of them. Put those on the bullet bullets there. First one, in our faith. We build people up in our faith. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, all of us have enough faith to receive Christ as our Savior. That's not what it's talking about. But 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that God gives an extra measure of faith to some people. Brenda, I want to tell you, when you come in this church and you are sensing God's presence and you have that faith and you are delighted that God's in this place and you see somebody who doesn't have that, you just need to take a jumper cable and get some faith to that people from your faith. We need to encourage each other now during this time. It's going to be some difficult times. Things are not going to go like we want them to. And we need to encourage each other during this time. And so we build each other up with our faith. Some of us have more faith than others. God gives a special gift of faith to some of us, 1 Corinthians tell. And if you're one of those people and you're one of those people that's up all the time and you're encouraged all the time, you need to just go up beside a brother or a sister and give them some faith to walk on and work on the next week that's coming. We build them up with our faith. That's what we do. You know, we think God's supposed to work the same way every time. You think, some of you have been here long enough. I remember how God worked in this church. You're saying to yourself, and that's the way we want him to work again. Well, God don't always work the same every time. If you don't believe that, you look at Jericho and Ai. He, wore, he approached both those entirely different. He doesn't do the same every time. We just need to go with him in whatever is going, what he's doing in our place. Henry Blackaby is the one that said, you can't remain where you are and go with God. We can't. So we're going to have to go with God. We have to make adjustments to go the direction that he's going. We need edification. All of us do. We build it up in our faith. But there's a second way. We build it up in love. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. The testimony of the early church was that they loved each other. I want to tell you, I wish for once before God takes me home, he would get me in a church where there is so much love, you just can't get around it. That's what I'm praying for. I'd love to see that. I'd love to be in a part of that in my life. I'd love that to happen. There's the third way we build each other up by that third bullet, with our spiritual gifts. With our spiritual gifts. Now, God, if God has saved you, at the moment of your salvation, you were given at least one spiritual gift. You may know your spiritual gift, you may not, and we're going to try to help you find out what your spiritual gift is if you do not. But let me tell you something. I find that in churches that I go, and I find that in this church as well. Most people in this church are not using their gift for God. They're sitting on it. Now let me tell you something. I'm going to become a member of this church, and when you are not using the gift God gave you, you're cheating me. 
when I'm not using the gifts that God has given me, I'm cheating you. And I want to tell you, if we're going to reach the people in our city like we talked about, if we're going to have people to come and to know Christ and we're going to see their lives change and this building begin to fill, friend, we've got to have everybody doing what God's called them to do. No one person can do it all. No one person has all the gifts. God added you to this church if you're a member of this church so that your gift will be exactly what this church needs. And some of you are members of this church and you haven't done anything. You say, preacher, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. God gave you that gift to use. You may not can do it like you used to. I can't run like I used to, but I can still walk. And God says we're to do that. That's supposed to happen. When New Work Fellowship had finally bought a piece of ground and the big dirt scrapers, it was two of them, I remember, they come out there and they were taking that piece of land that you see with blacktop and buildings on now. They were beginning to scratch that off and the big rollers came behind them trying to tamp the dirt down so that they could... Uh, get it where they wanted. And there was a particular spot that just sort of kept sinking in some. They'd put more dirt, roll over it again, and it would sink in again. And finally, somebody thought, we got to do something. We need to dig down there and find out why we can't. Make this pack down tight. And when they dug down, they found out that it was a burial ground for old used appliances. I mean, they hauled off about two big truckloads of that stuff. I tell you that to tell you that sometimes before you can begin to build, there are some things that need to be dug up and gotten rid of in your life. I don't know what those are, but I pray today would be a day that God would reveal those to you and to me, and we'll decide, I'm getting rid of this. I want God to be able to use my life to make a difference in this town, in this community, in this church. He'll do that. But let me give you the last one, the fifth one. When a church is doing what a church is supposed to do, there will be multiplication. Multiplication. Acts 2, verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved in the Acts 2 church there were so many people coming to know Christ they wanted to give their life to Christ that they didn't wait to do that on Sunday they did it all through the week they couldn't handle them all they were coming every day in the week because the spirit had filled and was working through the church and all through the week people were being added to the church You went back to meet with the church gathered on Sunday, there'd be a bunch of people there that wasn't there the last week because God had added them and the church was growing in such numbers daily. But there's a reason why that happened. I want you to see that about all that. There was that multiplication that we see and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. But now there's another verse in chapter 9, verse 31 that you have to keep in balance with that one. Listen to this one. Acts 9, 31. 
So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Oh, my goodness. You have to keep all this intention. Be sure you do. If there is no edification, there will be no multiplication. If there's no edification, there'll be no multiplication. Now I'm going to get personal. When we begin New Work Fellowship, God added so much so fast that we didn't know what was going on. Our head was spinning. But in the first few months, we had felt from different churches where we're coming that there had to be more to serving and worshiping God than we were getting. And so when we left and came together for the first Sunday, there was only 35 the first Sunday. That counted the kids and everybody. And then down through the weeks and the months, God began to add people to the church. And because we didn't have a church to go to, the only thing we had was that group right there. There was a long time. We hadn't even given it a name yet. And we were there, and all of a sudden, this was the only church we had. We felt ostracized, cast away, because a lot of people thought what we were doing was simply insane. It, hadn't to be, it couldn't be biblical. And so people turned on us. I know Christians don't do that, but there was two or three. They've done gone, gone on. But anyway, that happened. And so we just begin to cling to each other in love and in edification. I'm telling you, when you came in that church door, I want you to know you would be loved to death. We were huggers. I'm telling you, we were grabbing and hugging people. We wanted them to know we loved them. We wanted them to know they were important to us. And we began to teach them. We began to disciple them. We began to edify them. And when we began to disciple and edify and encourage and love, you know what happened? God started sending so many people, we didn't know what to do with them. We couldn't keep space big enough. We had to move, continue to move. And we had to continue adding services. And we we never, it was just, it was a God thing. We couldn't do anything on our own. It was Him doing it. And then, now listen, and then we got number conscience, I guess. We got excited about all those people and all this growth from 300 to 500 to 900. And we got all caught up in that. And all of a sudden, we just plateaued. You know what happened? We weren't edifying. We weren't building people up as they came in and as they were a part of the fellowship. And when that happened... God just didn't send us anybody else for a while. Now, I want you to understand something. Do you know why you all are going down in numbers? 
you're not edifying. Well, how do you know that, preacher? You haven't even been here but an hour. I just know. I'm in too many different churches. When there gets to be a love and a care and a concern and a desire to build up and to be built up, then the church is going to start multiplying again. Pretty simple, isn't it? I'm an old country boy. It doesn't take very long to figure that out. That's what has to happen. I'm going to close with some life application. You never thought I would. Let me tell you something. The church functions best when it's being edified and then challenged to take which is built into it, the gifts that God has given and the personality that God has given and to go out and win a world for Christ. That's what happens. It's what God wants. Listen, God wants to work something in us while we're here, the church gathered, so he can work something out of us when we get out there in the world. That's what God wants to do. He wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in my life. There's so many winds in the world that would blow against the church. And it's becoming more so every week, every day. You know if you hear the news and carry it off course. We see that. We just need to go back to the blueprints and say, God, this is what works. This is what I want to happen in my church. The church is really the church when it's scattered out in the community. That's where the world is. That's the people who needs to know the Lord that we love. That's where it is. We just need to go back to this blueprint. And to reach that, we need to do that. Let me ask this question. Is there anything you just can't stand? I mean, you just have a holy discontent, if I can keep it theologically pure. Let me tell you what I can't stand. I can't stand a dysfunctional church. I'm going to tell you that right up front. I'm in so many of them, I'm up to here with them. A church that just comes and tries to get something and just goes out and really could care less about what's going on in the community, what's going on in their neighborhood, what's going on around them, they could care less. And I want to tell you, in a community where my neighbors are dying without Christ and in this city where they're dying without Christ and where people are not involved in God's work and all that's going on, I want to tell you something we're not even scratching the surface, are we? We don't have to live that way. We don't have to live that way at all. God don't want us to live that way. And I want to tell you, I believe that God wants to do a whole bunch of things in this church. This church is not an accident. I know the prayer that went into it. It's not an accident. God wants to do something. We're going to do something different that Jeff didn't do a lot of times, but I do. We're going to have an invitation. We're just going to be playing some music. I'm going to ask you to stand in just a moment. If I can keep all this gear together. I'm going to ask you to, uh, in a minute, uh, after prayer, just to stand with me. My wife and I are coming 
to join this church. We're putting our membership here. We want to serve God in this fellowship. And we're going to do that as long as he has us here in this place. There may be others that you have uh, been in this church a long time, but you've never joined it. Now, I want you to understand, joining a church don't get you to heaven. You first must be born again. I may be talking to people who've never asked Jesus Christ to save them. Uh, Maybe you didn't understand that. You love Jesus. He's a lovable person. You love being here with these people, these nice people. But there's never been that time in your life when you said, God, I am a sinner. I've never received you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me and I repent of my sin and I turn to you asking you to save me. And he will. He'll do that when you ask him to. I see it happen a lot. There may be those who walked in this place this morning and you're carrying a burden that nobody but God knows. Your spouse may not know. If you have a spouse, your family may not know. But there is a load. And I just want to tell you, sometimes it's good just to come and pray about it. If you want to share it with me, I'll pray with you. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to have prayer. And then I'm going to ask God just to speak to all of our hearts in this place. You and me. Father, this morning, I thank you for the privilege of being with your people. And Father, I am thankful that you are not through with us. It is a whole new direction that you're ready to take us. So God, may we not be stubborn. May we not stand back and say, we've never done it that way. Father, may we say, I'm willing to go with you wherever you lead. May that happen as a church. But Father, I'm praying that would also happen as individuals in this church. And so, Father, this morning, wherever you're dealing with people, I pray they would obey you and that you may get the praise and the glory for it all. In Christ's name I pray. As the music is played, I'm waiting here at the front. If God's speaking to you, I don't want you to come just because I'm asking you to come. I want you to come if God's speaking to your heart. Alice, if you want to come on here in a minute, we're just going to introduce ourselves. As God speaks to you, I don't know what he would speak to you about this morning because I don't know you. But would you be willing to say yes to him? And would you say it publicly if he's leading you? Maybe God's dealing with you for the fact that for a long time we've just sort of rode this church. We haven't put a whole lot in it. And you're not getting a whole lot out of it. And maybe God would speak to you as a member of this church saying, I just need to be whatever you want me to be, Father. You may not have to come and tell me. You may can come and tell God.
just a moment, we give you that chance to say yes publicly. Father, I'm going to obey you. I want this church to be what you want it to be. morning and you've never received him as Lord oh I pray you'd say yes today if you don't understand we'll share Christ with you and I are coming upon promise of a letter from a church, First Baptist Dawson Springs, Kentucky, and I'm going to ask Lance or John, one of them, to come down here. We come by promise of a letter from that church there where I had just finished being their interim pastor. So I don't know. I think they've already left, John and Heather. <laughs> they just said, we can't take any more of this. I don't know what they want to do from this point. But uh, anyway, we come wanting to be a part of this membership uh, with you here. Well, I guess we'll meet and we'll, elders will meet and we'll decide whether we want to have Amen, you or not. Brother. <coughs> That's exactly what you need to do. Um, <laughs> Probably more than you know. I'm not real sure of the process here. I know we, uh, if you want to become a member of New Work Fellowship, there's on your bulletin, Brother Kent addressed it first. You want to cross. What did I say, New Work? I'm sorry. I'm looking at him. I, I missed Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, but there's a new membership class that you would attend that there Brother will Kent will lead. So right. I guess he'll lead himself through the new membership class. Uh, we'll be announcing uh, <laughs> that we'll do it. Um, um, so anyway, we uh, thank uh, we are so thankful to have Brother Kent, Miss Alice, with us. Uh, uh, I hope you've been blessed this morning, as I know I have. Uh, there are a few announcements.